Wedgwood Christian Services is a place where hope and healing meet. Join me, Hilary Kirkendall, Wedgwood's Marketing and Communications Coordinator, as I sit down for conversations with the amazing people who work at, learn from, and grow through our grace-filled residential care, counseling services, and community programs. Grab your cup of coffee or tea and enjoy experts sharing their insights on the challenges people are facing and stories of hope, healing, and transformation. These are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations. We have another great Coffee Break conversation for you today. In this episode, we talk with Andy Soper about understanding and addressing trauma, a community and collaborative approach to empowering youth, and the realities of human trafficking and other challenges in our community. Today we sit down for a coffee break conversation with an incredible solutions-driven community advocate. He started several important organizations and initiatives in West Michigan and cares deeply about the youth in our community. Welcome to the podcast, Andy Silver. Thanks. Uh, So tell me about your connection to Wedgwood and what you're up to these days. Sure. Uh, Connection to Wedgwood, I started here in 2002. Um, I wouldn't say by accident. My wife, we had just, I think we had just graduated from college. and I was laying brick, because that's what you do with a communication arts degree. <laughs> and uh, I still lay brick, so that's fine. Um, but no, she said, why don't you apply there? Um, and she was just thinking more of a, f- a fit for my skill set mm-hmm. and personality. Uh, and I started working at a boys' home. Uh, that no, It was out in Cutlerville. So okay, yep. Mm-hmm. That long ago. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Angry young men made sense to me. Um, and I loved it, like as hard as it can be to work in residential, so I would say especially back then. Um, I love the team, I still look back on that time as like uh, incredibly formative. Mm-hmm. As to how I thought about relationships, uh, I think we had one kid at that time, so we've been parenting. Oh, interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, especially trauma and responses to it, uh, locking up. I mean that not in a kind of criminal way, but like in secure residential, you've got four people with a set of keys and 12 kids without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the power dynamic is traumatic for everybody in the equation. Mm-hmm. So it was really uh, informative as to how I thought about um, treating kids and uh, working with staff. And I found that my favorite thing to do is actually work with the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up being a trainer here for a while, 2007 to nine maybe. Um, and, uh, yeah, now it's, it's sort of grown out of all the stuff that I saw when I was here. Mm -hmm. Um, and so now I work with a number of different organizations, uh, anything from, you know, grant writing, funding to communications. Uh, but my favorite part is sitting down with a team and just asking, asking questions about what does service provision look like? What are your, what are your, uh, participants telling you? How does that? How does it feel when you come into the workspace? Mm-hmm. And kind of building off of that to try to get to uh, what Father Greg Boyle from Homeboy Industry says, like a culture of tenderness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm trying to pursue in all my contracts and gigs and whatever I'm working at is how do you create a space people want to stay because they they know they're good and they mm-hmm. belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially um, creating a space where people want to stay even when the work is so hard. Like oh. you said, residential care is often a very high intense kind of work environment. So how do you get people who want to do that work and then mm-hmm. want to stay? It's yeah, hard. yeah, it's a, uh, I try to think of the amount of time that a normal staff stays in any one residential program. And you're looking at like eight months to 18 months. Mm-hmm. 
And it's interesting to know that a lot of time that mirror is what the kids are there for. Oh, interesting. Um, at least again, when I was there, like I don't mm -hmm. have the documents and data in front of me now, but um, it's a, it'll break your plate, like having to constantly be aware of those, those youth and the staff around you and the things that you don't know that the staff have endured that they're now sitting and trying to be helpful while carrying their own weight. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. A common theme of some of the projects and community initiatives that you've been involved in is, is kind of overall the well-being of kids mm -hmm. um, and how they're provided care, um, specifically kids who are under-resourced and have experienced some form of trauma. Yeah. Why is this population so near to your heart? I think first they're funny. Um, like I. I can't break it down maybe any farther than that is to be like they, they have a different set of views mm -hmm. on what's happening around them and their interpretation and so many of them are so willing to voice what they think about what's happening at the moment. Um, it's like refreshing. That mm -hmm. was a, a big part for me. Um, I went through, uh, I grew up and had trauma of my own, domestic violence and sexual assault and uh, I, I didn't realize how much of that I was carrying when I started working. Mm. Um, it was later that I went and did the work on, my, on myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I'm, I'm sitting, whether it's you know residential kids here or, or survivors of trafficking in the community, what I'm, what I'm drawn to is simply uh, they're adept at creating spaces of belonging. Mm. I think that uh, to make it sort of biblical, like I think that's where Jesus shows up, mm -hmm. um, that they are constantly the teacher. Uh, and the the most fun I can have is trying to get into a situation where you can't tell who's the helper and the helped anymore. Mm, that everything mm -hmm. is sort of mixed up and they're influencing how you see them and their decisions and all that sort of stuff. And um, they're wise. They know what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, again, they don't mind telling you what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a quick response cycle. Yeah, <laughs> like you put something different. out in the world and they're like, nope, that doesn't work. Fair enough. Let's yeah. try something different. Mm -hmm. um, and so failure comes quickly mm -hmm. for uh, you know a professional in that environment. Um, and so you get used to failing, and used to failing in front of someone you're supposed to help. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy that that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. having a an environment where that failure is like not look down upon and it's mm. just like part of the process and there's like some vulnerability and yeah. honesty and authenticity all involved that probably makes for an environment where people want to stay. Yeah. Like we're still going to have to make dinner after I fail mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm still going to have to write OBS and they're going to still have to do their house pickup. It just keeps going. Mm -hmm. um, so we can hang on to it and then I can get bouncy or we can let it go and apologize and try to see a little clear, more clearly. Um, but yeah, the shift is going to end. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know how many times, probably almost every night, took something home from work. Just an experience or a pain or a joy or whatever. Um, so if that was going to be the reality, I'd want to at least dig into what I was going to take mm -hmm. home before I went there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Helps mm -hmm. to have a wife who's a counseling psychologist, I suppose. Yes, I'm sure that's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what do you see as some of the main challenges kids and families in West Michigan are facing right now? Mm, housing is number one. Oh, interesting. Um, there's so much, a nationwide housing it, and homelessness is a crisis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but when I think of uh, housing instability for youth, um, 
we're, we're just investing in cycles of trauma and abuse if we don't solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, parents having to carry that stress results in kids having to carry that stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that for me is, I would say, is number one. Um, I know there are a lot of good communities uh, in, in Grand Rapids, organizations and people that are working on that problem. Um, that problem exists for a lot of reasons, and but I would also say one of the main ones is that we've forgotten that we belong to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, quote Mother Teresa there, that someone else's problem uh, being unhoused is an inconvenience to me. I bristle at that. I know it's complex and it's difficult for businesses and homeowners and all that sort of thing. And yet there's the image of God that we're saying we should charge $100 because they're sleeping on the street mm-hmm. and put them on probation. That's not just troubling. I think it's problematic mm-hmm. uh, that we, we barely recognize the humanity there anymore. But yeah, outside of, of housing, um, one of the, I mean, employment is kind of an area that I've, I've invested a lot of time and energy into, specifically with youth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's literally, I think Kent County got $12 million from the state for employment training. And that's wow. not just youth, that's everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything from, you know, IT to healthcare to um, manufacturers uh, got in Kent County $12 million to be able to train their staff. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's in manufacturing and he said, you know, I keep hearing every politician saying job training, job training. And he goes, what we really need to do is uh, mental health care. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, his example was, he's like, you know, I, my whole team is made up of people that I hired and then they quit and then I hired them back or I had to fire them because they blew up on the job site or whatever the case might be. And then we hired them back. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, we can train them the skill they need, but without mental health stability, we just keep going in these cycles of yeah. employment and unemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think those are challenges in the community that can be solved. But it will take it'll take sacrifice, mm-hmm. and that's not uh, sacrifice doesn't jive well with uh, you know the bottom line on your books. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there needs to be a whole person approach. Like it's not mm-hmm. just one thing. If you fix this, everything is going to fall into place. You kind of have to address all of these different areas yeah. to make the person or the community healthy as a whole. Right. Having someone be a part of your community is a in your living space, in your workspace, it's a little bit harder to ignore mm-hmm. that uh, you have something in common and your heart breaks when theirs does. Mm-hmm. Um, again, kind of going to that culture of tenderness idea, like, yeah, it, it, accountability is incredible and helpful, but it's not much without empathy. I don't even know it, if it exists without empathy. Mm-hmm. Punishment it exists without empathy, but accountability doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Trying to find those spaces where you can know someone well enough to communicate true hard things uh, in a way that it's not, they aren't the problem. Um, it's a performance. It's a acting out. It's a, mm-hmm. All those things might be not where we want them to be. Um, but it's not necessarily the person that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, and accountability to me also feels like there's a sense of hope and like potential. Like, you know, things can be better. Mm-hmm. We just need to work at it to get there. Right. Yeah. And to be fair, like sometimes losing a job is a part of that accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the relationship uh, in the in the employment training programs that I love so much around the country, like firing isn't the end of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um 
there it's just a, a reaction to like yeah when you have a job you show up every day yeah uh, if you're not there yet we have some other work to do before we can say yeah this this gig's for you mm-hmm. yeah I was talking with Jackie Brewster who's mm-hmm. the program manager at Wedwood's employment training program and she was talking about how you know sometimes the kids do get fired here um, you know one reason or another and but it's never a you're done it's over don't come back it's here's when you can reapply again when you work on these things, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is just so important and powerful, especially for the kids here at Wedgwood to know that they um, aren't their mistakes and that there are second chances and, you know, progress leads to improvement. Yeah, absolutely. So you maybe touched on this a little bit, but do you see things improving or getting more challenging for kids and families in West Michigan? Like with housing, do you see things changing there or is that getting more challenging for people to find places to be? Mm. I don't, I, my gut response to almost everything is it's always getting better. Mm. Like that's the nature of, of things. As much as kind of the second law of thermodynamics says everything's in a state of decay, um, I would I would say everything is in a state of change constantly. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I see a lot of positive changes, um, but I don't see, often it is difficult to find the ways in which um, those positive changes are having a positive effect on the people who uh, are lowest on the rungs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, property values increase really drastically and West Michigan is a great place to live, but then people who can't afford, uh, mm-hmm. you know, those high-priced rents or a mortgage are priced out of their community mm-hmm. um, that they've been, maybe been in for years. Yeah. Like kids grew up there and they grew up there. Um, there are, again, organizations working. I know that there are millions of dollars that are being spent on not just building houses and housing and that sort of thing, but thinking about what, what are we going to need in 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I see it improving, but it is incrementally and it, it is constantly running up against, I can't lose my standard of living. Yours can get better, but mine can't slip at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that push and pull is I think damaging to everybody. Yeah. Um, it it's stressful on everyone. Uh, there's fear created out of that. Um, yeah. I don't. As much as I see the gospel in those situations, um, it, it is often a call to people to sort of surrender the idea of comfort, the idea that somebody is a threat to their property value mm-hmm. if they just move into the community. Yeah. Um, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And again, it happens with black and brown people more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And poverty is probably the great equalizer of who that who that routinely happens to. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the other hand, like I'm not a I'm not a big uh, if something's like a, a a hopeless case, like I, I don't have the energy. I don't think to stick around and do it. And that's what, uh, maybe one of the reasons I work in anti trafficking work as much as I do is like it's not hopeless. Yeah. As long as it's been around and as prevalent as it is in both sex and labor contexts, uh, it's really not hopeless because people are working hard to, to mm-hmm. end it, to find mm-hmm. solutions to it. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned um, working in anti-trafficking work and you were integral in launching Wedgwood's Manassa Project back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a lot of increased awareness across our community about the realities of trafficking and what it looks like and what it is and who it happens to. So with more people being aware of it, do you think that there is a rise in this, you know, atrocity happening in our community or are people just seeing it more often now because they know what they're looking for? Yeah. Um, I don't have data to prove either or, mm. if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the danger with awareness 
when we started the Manasseh project, uh, the pitch was like, it was like, I remember bringing like a binder mm -hmm. and they had, I had never mentioned this to anybody in leadership at Wedgwood. And I came like loaded for bear, like we should do this. And one of the things in there was awareness. Mm -hmm. And that was, it's, a, it's the lowest bar, um, of anti-trafficking work. Um, and there was a lot of acceptance for like, yeah, we should do awareness. And I was like, great. Um, but we have to also do treatment and legislative awareness and it was great, but we're going to start with awareness. And I was like, hmm. the trouble with, with awareness is that sometimes it moves us from, I didn't know to like willful apathy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what can I do? Um, a sense of stuckness about it. So part of the awareness stuff that's been pushed is to move people from like, if you see something, say something, mm -hmm. what are the number phone numbers you can call? Uh, what are the organizations you can, you can connect with mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. But we do that more often than not with sex trafficking, but, but we don't pay a whole lot of attention to labor trafficking, almost at all. And it is the, of the two types of trafficking, um, those two anyway, um, there's way more labor trafficking than sex trafficking. That kind of awareness we haven't tipped into action yet. Mm -hmm. um, at every speaking gig I think I've, I did for years, I would have people take out their phone and put in uh, the National Human Trafficking tip line and then have them look up their local non-emergency um, police number. It's mm -hmm. so like, if it's not an emergency, just call them, ask them to drive by, check it out. Um, and that was, that's helpful and there was a reaction from that. Um, but if I were to tell people like, yeah, you're gonna have to change the way you buy clothing and food and you're gonna have to actually think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, man, that's, that's tough. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, currently right almost Christmas time and and to have to think through uh, I have to buy something for my family or my kids and they want video games and clothes and I want to do anti-trafficking work while there isn't almost a, a phone or car or airplane or video game system that doesn't have conflict minerals in it mm -hmm. and it's the same with clothes and uh, any sort of fabrics or uh, so making decisions on like what can I actually do in that um, that's where I think we'd see more trafficking if we opened yeah. our eyes mm -hmm. even wider. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of years back, this isn't, I don't think this is off topic. A couple of years back, we invested in an education project um, and we worked with the University of Michigan Human Trafficking Law Clinic and just reviewed like 150 cases, both sex and labor, um, court cases and transcripts and all, all this sort of stuff. And, and at the end of it, I would drive home and just be like, oh my, oh my gosh. Like hearing about victims that were trafficked into domestic servitude that were just in line at Target and agricultural workers and how it's in vet, like how much of our transportation system is just moving around people that we suspect might be trafficked, but we're like, I don't know who else is going to do that work. Mm -hmm. Maybe for the first time ever, like I hit a wall where I was like, I, I don't, I don't know if we can stop this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you make the decision, like the next small thing. We tell people maybe it's the chocolate you buy or the shirts you buy or the coffee. Um, make those decisions and then see what the next one is. Mm -hmm. um, if we really want to see sex trafficking okay, curbed or ended, um, people have to be housed, parents have to be healthy, mm -hmm. kids need a good ed education. Mm -hmm. And there has to be a drastic shift in the way men think about their position and power as related to their, their sex life, honestly. So uh, yeah, long answer short. I don't know if there's more or less trafficking. I do know people are more aware, mm -hmm. um, but the, the next steps are really 
the action steps of uh, if we want people healthy and not to have this happen, then they need the absolute basics mm -hmm. in their life, and they need to have at least one positive adult that reminds them that they are, you know, immeasurably good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough work. Yeah. That's a lot, but I think, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit. It's not... I mean, you need to keep the final goal in mind, mm -hmm. but you can't solely focus on that because it will feel so overwhelming. You won't know what to do, where to start, how you can tackle it on your own. But if you just take one step and maybe reconsidering where you get your chocolate from, right. just one thing at a time will build into big progress mm -hmm. eventually. So I think that was an important reminder that it doesn't all have to change with you tomorrow. Right. It's all of us together doing the little things every day. Yeah, and I, mean, I would add into that, uh, where we get our information about trafficking is super important. Mm -hmm. There's so much hyperbole that people think their kids are gonna get snatched up constantly. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. You look at the face of, of kids who are trafficked in America, they're mostly girls, they're mostly black and brown kids, and they all, well, predominantly come from poverty. But when I hear people, and I, it's what I love about Nikidra here at Wedgwood, the mm -hmm. coordinator for the NASA project, she shoots straight. Mm -hmm. These are the people, historically, that have been abused and, and exploited, and that is the same today. So we can be afraid, or we can start advocating on behalf of the people who have been exploited for years. Mm -hmm. um, good information is super important, and uh, Wedgwood puts that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, One of the things I love Nikidra talks about... Um, it's not just financial poverty, while that is like a huge factor if, if um, a child might be trafficked, it's mm -hmm. also emotional poverty. Absolutely. I'd never heard anybody say it like that before. And you mentioned, you know, having one good adult in their life to invest in them. If they don't have that from anyone in their life, and then they have someone who's offering it kind of with a sinister motivation, they'll latch onto that. So again, I think this goes back to investing in people as a whole. You have to have all of their, and you said basic needs, which just kind of broke my heart a little, that all we need to do is get people the basics, mm -hmm. and that already sets them off on a better path. Yeah, if your body can rest, your mind can rest. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where healing can actually occur, mm -hmm. when we're not in a panic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why is the response and work of organizations like Wedgwood and Wedgwood's Benassa Project and some of these other collaborative efforts that... Um, you're working with and we have in here in Grand Rapids. Um, why is that so important, their work and the response? The work is important because uh, left unchecked, it festers. Mm -hmm. um, poverty begets more poverty and it begets violence and fear. The more I see organizations collaborating and, and kind of shedding that mindset of scarcity, there's not enough for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, the, the people I see it do, that do it best go, yeah, you're right, there's not enough for all of us if we do this individually on our own. Mm -hmm. um, we have a greater impact if we're sharing, uh, sharing resources, sharing information, sharing data, and nonprofits are built to compete with each other for limited amount of money. That's, that's a threat to doing good work. Looking at the limited amount of funding that we've got, um, that organizations are constantly competing for and we never have enough or all that, those sorts of gripes and, and realities. I, I love the idea of it being a little bit heretical to just go, yeah, watch us. Watch us do it. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a, a Christian family, Christian church, um, and was taught like loaves and fishes um, that everybody had enough. And I, I honestly um, 
or however much I've grown and changed and, and engaged with biblical stories differently than I did when I was a kid, probably. That uh, really stark reminder that the world is going to keep saying, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout scripture, you hear Jesus say over and over, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Mm-hmm. And then he just contradicts it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation not too long ago with someone who said, well, the poor will always be with you. And my, my, my gut response was, well, you've heard it say the poor will always be with you, but I tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's what kind of wanted to come out. Like, well, maybe that's because we'll always be with the poor. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where we're supposed to be standing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that exists because there's so much uh, anger and fear and abuse and all those sort of things. But uh, the story that we bought into says it comes to an end. And it comes to an end uh, when when we're willing to mm-hmm. have it end. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing groups in Grand Rapids and, and in Kent County, even Ottawa County, collaborate is a willful act of uh, of heresy to say it's not going to stay abusive and separated. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how many people clamor that it will, uh, we bring a different hope mm-hmm. to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why would we want to settle for it just staying the same or getting worse? I just can't imagine a world where people are okay with that. So I'm glad that we have all these organizations who are like, no, it doesn't need right. to be this way. It can be better. And we have businesses that are doing it that way as well. Like, GR is filled with businesses that are willing to do that work. Not just, which is important, by the way, not only cut a check to mm-hmm. the nonprofit that they're working with, um, but looking at volunteering or looking at hiring into their business from mm-hmm. uh, the population that they are loving and giving money to, um, we're rich with those type of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the more we can amplify their story, the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What can our community and listeners do to create a community that supports kids and gives them the opportunities they need to succeed? Uh, mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be at Wedgwood. Another place that I absolutely love in terms of mentoring is Affinity Mentoring. Okay. Uh, they provide school-based learning. So it's one adult and one kid, and the mentorship happens within the school during the school day. Um, one adult in someone's life is all that it takes, and we should not underestimate the power of showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to turn the tide, you've got to show up for kids mm-hmm. that aren't yours. Um, and treat them as if they were. Mm-hmm. I think that more than anything, um, that's the way forward, is to mentor mentor youth in the environment where they're most comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I heard recently that the like significant impact starts to happen with just 10 uninterrupted minutes with a kid every day. Isn't that crazy? 10 minutes is all it takes to like have a profound impact on a kid's life. That's so doable. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and it can happen at, at uh, your, you know, if you have children at your children's school or at your church or at a place like Wedgwood, let a boys and girls club coach a team if you're, you know, sports minded, I suppose. Um, all these are opportunities that will take sacrifice. They will take away from something else you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are like immeasurably important mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to our own lives, like how we grow ourselves and who we're learning from. Um and also in the lives of those kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, my, uh, I don't think there's been a time where there wasn't a kid that I had my eye on. Uh, and a lot of that came from working here mm-hmm. and having mentors come in. Like, it's bold. As a man, <laughs> I just put it out there, like, 
I remember the mentors coming in when I was working in residential, and they'd be like, hey, you ready to go? We're going to whatever. They're going to play Frisbee golf or something. And these mentors are just walking into a completely, you know, secure environment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there were kids that were losing their minds and having trauma responses and throwing stuff and hitting people. And they just walked in. Cool. And we're like, this is your world. I'm just going to be comfortable in it if you are. Uh, yeah, the, the impact on those kids, mm -hmm. um, especially the ones that kept contact long term with their mentors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Investing in those relationships is kind of what you talked about at the beginning. Yeah. So important. Absolutely. What has God made clear to you through your work? Mm, that like the kids I serve, uh, I'm immeasurably good. For someone who, uh, I wouldn't say went through what I went through as a kid, but ex had those experiences. Uh, the amount of shame that you can carry is intense. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been working with uh, kids at Wedgwood, um, survivors in the community, that um, it wasn't like they told me or complimented me. It was the way they treated me. Not like a hero, but as some, just someone they loved. Mm -hmm. um, in a similar way that, that I loved them, that I, I learned from them and I served them and all those sorts of things. Uh, that's what I've, I've learned about. And I have to keep learning that, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly, it runs contra uh, contradictory to like some of the theology I was taught as a kid that was sinful and fallen. And why all that might be true, that's that's not who we are. Mm -hmm. um, we're loved at the at the core. And when you realize you are, the changes that come just in your own life, mm -hmm. um, the peace that comes with that is unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if we agree that we are made in the image of God and we agree that God is good, you know, thereby right. means that we are also good. And sometimes that can be really hard to remember. Yeah. And I, it's funny, when I read the question um, that you sent earlier, uh, that one, like, what have I, what has God shown me? And I, my gut response was like, there's so much work to be done. Um, and I love, like, working is my favorite. I would work, oh my gosh, 24 <laughs> hours a day if I could. Um, but all of that is sort of wrapped up in ego. Like, I can work hard. I can outwork people. I can get more done. I can produce more. Uh, and I'm never more unhealthy than when I think my value is my production. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm at my best, and what every step of the way through every adult that uh, works with youth, or the youth themselves have taught me, like, no, I just want you around because you're good. And just how you showed up, like, even in your mistakes. I didn't know how I was going to answer that question until you asked it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that, the, the goodness thing always kicks around in there, but I think that's why I continue doing the work, is to be reminded that, like, I don't know, despite all of this, they're good, immeasurably good, mm -hmm. and so are you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what a good motivator, too, to, like, every person you see, they are good, they deserve better. I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, my wife and I um, went through a class together a number of years ago, uh, and one of the questions they were asking was about our work and rest habits. Uh, and that we kind of work all week and we're rewarded with rest. And they pushed back so hard, especially on me, because again, I love to work. Um, they were like, you work out of your rest. You don't rest from your work. Mm, like, mm -hmm. You'll never catch up the time if you're con like constantly waiting to rest. Um, constantly waiting to find peace on Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, the importance of rest, I think, was a big driver in finding that in myself. Like, mm -hmm. when I'm at rest, when I'm at peace, I remember that I'm absolutely loved. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful.
Well, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us for this Coffee Break conversation today. Collaborative efforts to support kids and families are so important, and West Michigan is blessed to count you among the impactful advocates making a difference. We all play a role in the well-being of our community and our neighbors. When we care about others, we take action, and that action can take a lot of different forms. But when we all take action together, we can have a big impact. To learn more about how you can partner with Wedgwood to impact and transform lives, check out our website. Wedgwood Christian Services is committed to extending God's love and providing exceptional care and support. Head on over to wedgwood.org, that's W-E-D-G-W-O-O-D.org, to learn more about how you can get connected to services, support Wedgwood's mission, or join our team. Connect with us on social media at Wedgwood CS or send us an email at hello at wedgwood.org. We would love to be a part of your story. Until next time, these are Wedgwood's Coffee Break Conversations.